If you want Colts talk all year long, you're in the right place. This is the official Colts podcast, giving you an updated look at what's new with the horseshoes. He's got it! Touchdown, Jack Doyle! And he's going to be brought down inside the 15, and it's going to go to DeForest Buckner. Huge hole! He's at the 30! He's going to go! 10-5! Touchdown, Jonathan Taylor! From the Power Home Solar Studio, let's get the podcast started. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to the Colts official podcast presented by WinBet, proud sportsbook partner of your Indianapolis Colts. Betting is a team sport. Bet together at WinBet. My name, Jeffrey Gorman. Lara Overton is here. J.J. Stankovitz is here. And we're here to talk some Colts football. Zach Kiefer from The Athletic will be joining us uh, momentarily. But the first question that I... A lot of emotions over the last couple of days. Um, whether you're on the team or a fan of the team, it doesn't matter. It's uh, it's a disappointing end to a season of hope and promise. And uh, this is a, a good life in the NFL, but it's also a cruel life in the NFL at times uh, for teams and uh the destination that they want to go. Our Colts fell short. Obviously, a two-game losing streak to end the season. Uh, this may be a little bit of a therapy session for me, for JJ, and for Lara, but we're going to try and come up with some answers and some positive outlooks of what we saw and uh, and what the future holds. So, my first my first statement is a question, and I want to get both of it more so with Lara uh, because JJ is our new guy in town, and what a heck of a job you've done all year. Is this, as I've heard, some local? Uh, local media representatives talking about is this the most disappointing loss in the franchise history of the Indianapolis Colts my first my first gut instinct to that one is I was there in Miami I was there on the onside kick I, I was there with Hank Basket there uh, Drew Brees doing what he did against Peyton Manning that one was bigger than this one but Lara I, I I offer you that is this the most disappointing loss how do I how do I frame it where does this sit as far as the Colts lore goes and uh, historical wins and in this case historical losses I certainly think it is the most disappointing close to a regular season that's how I would probably phrase it in in recent memory that you could turn to. Yes, I think that there have certainly been some disappointments at different levels. You know, ones that you mentioned, of course, you know, anytime you get to a Super Bowl and and aren't able to capitalize and pull it off with the talent that that team had and the things that went wrong in that game. Yes, that's going to be immensely disappointing. There are a lot of those teams, of course, when you you had Peyton and you had Tony that were teams that were contending year after year that ended in disappointment when you weren't able to get over the hurdle. I would consider this probably the most disappointing regular season finish and not even just the Jacksonville game I knew you mentioned the emotional roller coaster of the past few days I'm going to talk about the emotional roller coaster of the last month because those highs that you were riding and this is something that Frank Reich has preached is not riding that wave not riding those highs and lows of the season but creating your wave and creating your own momentum and using that to push you through man you come off in New England you pull off what you did in Arizona you come home and you have a letdown against the Raiders which the Raiders are proving to be a very good football team and you know they had all of that emotion that they've been playing with rallying together being galvanized through the adversity they faced but then to finish it off I mean with the Jacksonville game not just losing but in catastrophic fashion looking like that you weren't even there to show up and play I do think was was nothing short of devastating here's what I'm struggling to grapple with right now the Colts eight losses this season were by 12 points 
three points, nine points, six points, three points, seven points, three points, 15 points to the Jaguars to end the season. We're looking, I'm, I'm thinking about the Raiders game and how, all right, you know, it wasn't the best week of practice and they, they didn't match the Raiders' intensity and still almost won that game. Mm-hmm. I, I think, like, I, I have caught myself over the last couple of days thinking about the Raiders game in a very similar sense to the Jaguars game of like, uh, you know, they just didn't have it in that game and they just didn't match the intensity. The, the Colts almost won that game. Mm-hmm. They almost won that game. And they didn't almost win the Jaguars game. There was never a moment in that game where you really felt good about it. Yeah, I talked about that with Bill Brooks on the, the Colts Instant Reaction podcast that I did. And it was sort of like, when did you feel bad about this game? And I, I said, honestly, at first drive, where Jacksonville converted two yeah. third and longs, mm-hmm. didn't got in the end zone, and you're sort of like, uh-oh. The Raiders game, the Colts had a response. Uh-huh. They found answers. It was a little bit late, and there were some missed plays in that game. But they found answers, and it was 20-20 to 20 going down to the last set, you know, the third and long, where Darius Leonard almost gets a sack on Derek Carr. If, he, if that play gets made, it's a different game. The Colts might win, and this game wouldn't have even mattered. That's what I'm struggling to square, Lara and, and Jeffrey, is that this game wasn't even competitive in a way that the Colts have not lost this season. Every one of their other losses was competitive. Even the Seahawks lost open the season. They were competitive in that game. The Titans game, where Carson Wentz is playing on two sprained ankles, they were competitive in that game. This game, they just weren't. And that's what I cannot understand how this happened, is that that fact of this of this game. Here's what concerned me as well, is when you didn't have the sense of urgency maybe in that Raiders game that you should have had because you knew that Jacksonville was going to give you their best, and you have struggled, mm-hmm. woefully so, playing at Jacksonville. That when that opportunity escaped you at home against the Raiders, that should have given serious concern and should have really sparked more um, in terms of a response. The other thing that's interesting to me, what a weird, when I'm looking at the finishing, the, the record here, four and five at home this season? Is that right? Not going to do it. That's a re- to me that is a, a head scratching statistic for me that you weren't able to capitalize more so and I know you had really tough opponents at home you have the Rams and you hosted the Bucks you hosted you know and, and the Titans teams that are playoff contending they are going to be all playing you know throughout the month of January or at least you know into this opening weekend and so that is something to me that I think also when you look at that and you look at that loss to the Raiders gives me you know some concern and some of that difficulty in explanation that you weren't able to capitalize on that more so than what you did in that first Sunday in January. Absolutely. Guys, I just want to pose a question. It's, a uh, again, the Therapeutic Colts official podcast today. Um, glaring needs, can I bring that up so early as far as – uh, depth situations going on the roster where we need some help. What are some of the the off season roster questions that you guys? I know I haven't had a lot of time to think about it, but JJ uh, later on with Zach Kiefer, we're going to go over some of the coaches that have been mentioned in other potential cities in the NFL from this Colt staff. Uh, some guys are getting looks, and don't forget the seven Pro Bowlers. So uh, anything, JJ? I'll start with you. Um, where the off-season needs we need to address like immediately that you're looking back on the season and say, boy, we could have used you know X amount of number of fill-in-the-blanks here. 
Yeah, you know, I, I think you probably could have used a receive another receiver. Um, you know, Michael Pittman Jr. leads the team with 1,082 yards. Second leading receiver on the team is Zach Pascal with 384. Um, and, and I mean, a big impact on that were the injuries to T.Y. Hilton and, and Paris to Paris Campbell, Campbell respectively. Right. So right. that was that's a huge. I mean, had that. Not, I mean, a lot of hindsight there. But had you had T.Y. Hilton, you know, to start the season, had you been able to have Paris Campbell? past week what was that five six yeah six okay i mean a a just freak injury Mm -hmm. for for paris those are two things where i feel like oh my gosh that's yeah yeah that's completely legitimate um you know the colts being down near the bottom of the nfl in pressure rate um you probably need to see a little more out of the defensive line Mm -hmm. um well i i think they played really well and you saw guys like quitty pay really come on at the end of the season you got good games out of you know a guy like Taylor Stallworth, um, you know, Kamoko Ture had some good games in Al-Kadim there. Al-Kadim Muhammad. Al-Kadim yeah, Muhammad had a really, him. really good season. Right. Yeah, absolutely, a really good season. But DeForest Buckner, I, I have this pulled up here. This is before uh, the final week of the season. Buck, he's either second or third in the NFL in double-team rate. This is from ESPN Stats and Info, Seth Walder on Twitter. It's him. It looks like Christian Barmore on the Patriots. And then there's Aaron Donald, who's like in his other stratosphere. Mm-hmm. But you can't like Buck is so good, mm-hmm. and he's he is so impactful, and he still made a huge impact on this team despite being double teamed at such a high rate. Almost this looks like about like sixty six percent, sixty seven percent of his snaps he was doubled on. You gotta you gotta find a way to get him more single opportunities, and that comes with better pressure from other guys on that defensive line because Buck did Buck had a great season, deserving Pro Bowler. A guy who dominated a lot of games, but you got to find a way to get Buck singled up a little bit more. Lara, a glaring question: six sacks, Jacksonville Jaguars, Colts offensive line. Please help. Couple of things I'm going to point to there. I don't know that Eric Fisher was ever 100 percent this good, season. Good point. I, mm-hmm. I, I just don't know that he was coming off of the Achilles injury and then suffering the other things that he was. I mean, there were slash marks, backslashes, listing the number of injuries that kept him out of practice. There were things that were compounding. And then you also, part of that situation is that Jack Doyle was very candid about how his body has felt of late. And Jack is so integral in the blocking game that when you don't have someone to be able to help on that side, you don't have that. I mean, he is your best blocking tight end. And that is not a knock on Mo or on Kylan, who have certainly done their fair share in that. But Jack Doyle is, you know, a a decade-long veteran Mm -hmm. we're talking about here. Mm -hmm. So those are two situations. I do think that you need to evaluate that situation in terms of left tackle, what you think you can get out of Eric Fisher, maybe what he is thinking, where his head space is. Same thing with Jack Doyle. He's been very vocal about exploring retirement along with T.Y. Hilton. Then the other issue um, that I would say, too, to complement what J.J. said up front about the pass rush, I also think that you need a lockdown corner. That is another area, I think, that because you don't know, um, Xavier Rhodes was on a one-year deal, so you don't know if Xavier's back. He battled through a litany of injuries of his own in that respect. You have a pro bowler in Kenny Moore who is fantastic in the position in which he plays. I love Isaiah Rogers and the development that he has shown. Rocky Seen had one of his better years, but I do think that you do need to address some premier talent there in the secondary at the cornerback position. I love safeties where you are with Kari Williams and being able to get Julian Blackman back this year, I do think in complement to some of those pieces, cornerback is going to be an area that you explore and address this offseason. Yeah, I, um, 
I think the Colts are, you know, should be and are very happy with the development of guys like Rock and Isaiah this year. I mean, Rock, mm-hmm. Rock is, you know, really, really solid year. Um, you but know, you are her, likely going to lose Xavier that's, Rhodes. That's the thing. And our our colleague Chris Albright, who's our director of graphic design, he has been. He's made some really good points to me, just kind of chatting over Slack about no. Xavier Rhodes. Boy, here we yeah, go. Yeah, I know you sit next to him in the office, Chris Jeffrey, Albright. But I'm now gi- is I'm our Mortensen. What are we? What are we doing I'm here? I'm giving a shout out because he's pointed out multiple <laughs> times that when Xavier Rhodes has been injured or not on the field, yeah. the Colts have struggled. The Colts without Xavier Rhodes this year went one and three when mm. he was inactive, and you know, in some of the other games where he was active, maybe not totally healthy, like Tennessee in Week Three. Uh, you know, the Raiders game where he got hurt. Uh, in week six, uh, 17, excuse me. The hamstring, yeah. The hamstring. Um, you know, the, the Colts did struggle at times in those games. And you, a corner like him, a veteran corner who can play really good coverage and, and is just very savvy in everything he does is important. I, I guess I would say, Lara, a lockdown corner would be great. Those guys are hard to find. Sure. But whether it's Xavier Rhodes or someone else, I think that that guy who fits that mold of the the veteran you can do some different things in coverage with is going to be important to where this defense can go next season. Any offseason, many moves await, and that's what we're at right now. Let's talk a little bit about the uh, the front office and the head coaching department and the general manager and what's been going on recently here after this. We've been reading uh, things that this gentleman has written as well as his colleagues in The Athletic. I want to say hello to Mr. Zach Kiefer. I, I like the way he writes because it's that old cliche that uh, you're fair, when a team that you're covering stinks, you're not afraid to let them know. When a team you're covering is awful good, you're not afraid to let the people know. But uh, something that we opened up the show with is uh, just it doesn't matter. Colts fan, Colts, you know, starting left guard, uh, the the plumber from uh, you know Evansville. Everybody's disappointed. It doesn't matter when you're talking about the love of a football team. And and we saw what happened a few weeks back with the New England Patriots game. We saw what happened on Christmas Day in Arizona. And and a lot of flights being made, a lot of plans being made. Where are we headed? How do we match up against this one? And then having that air let out of the balloon. And as, as a guy that's been covering this team, and I mean up close too, Zach Kiefer, it has to be disappointing, a little bit. I know you're impartial, but a little bit to guys like you to watch what happened the last two weeks of the season. Hey, man, you got to keep it real. The fans deserve as much. You know, like you said, you write about them when they're good. You write about them when they're bad. I haven't seen anything like Sunday. I don't think I've ever seen something like that. The stakes, the letdown, the choke job. You know, I've been covering this team for eight or nine years. I've been following them for a long time. And I don't think I've ever seen a game like that. Certainly not in the regular season where the disappointment and this absolute stunning nature of it um, hit. You know, man, I just covered the story. And I don't think I've ever covered anything like I covered on Sunday. And Zach, I mean, when you start looking at the cumulative effect, I'm not even just going to say with Jacksonville. I'm going to go the last two weeks of this season, the loss to the Raiders and the loss to Jacksonville, two play-in opportunities. And the word that was used in Reich's season-ending presser was autopsy. When you start to dive into this autopsy, and I know it's something that will probably take weeks to maybe digest all of this, where do you start looking to as any indication that this train was going to come off the tracks the way that it did? Or did we all just get completely blindsided by what happened the final two weeks of the season? Now, I certainly think there were hints along the way. And 
I mean, the, the, the ironic thing and the haunting thing is that this is everything that the Colts profess to be not about, right? They've always talked about finishing strong, being at their best at the last part of the season. And as DeForest Buckner said yesterday, you know, he said, look, we started the season this way. We ended the season this way. I thought we were through this. I thought we were past this. And as Naheem Hines said, he said, look, if you would have told me after Arizona that we were going to lose our last two games and miss the playoff, I would have laughed at you. I think a lot of fans would have as well. But if you dig into this in terms of an autopsy, a lot of the flaws that are on this roster were exposed the last two weeks. One, and the most surprising thing to me, is they weren't ready to play. I was willing to give them a pass to a degree after the Raiders game because of so many guys missing practice that week. And I wrote that you need to practice. These guys, even as the best in the world, they need to practice. They were not ready to play. The damning experience was the following week in Jacksonville with everything on the line. They were simply not ready to play. They were manhandled up front, which is something that I don't ever say about this offensive line, especially with all five starters. The depth at wide receiver was exposed. The lack of depth at the pass rush position, which is something that's really bitten them a lot this season. I mean, all those little things were exacerbated in this loss. And, you know, the worst part of all of it is it's impossible to say that they wanted this game more than the Jaguars, that they couldn't go down there and beat a two-win team. That You want to talk about flights being booked? The Jaguars players have their flights booked, and they've had them booked for months because they're going to the Bahamas, and (laughs) they still played with more urgency than the Colts, who should be in Buffalo this week or Cincinnati or New England or wherever. But they're not, and they need to live with that, and they need to look hard long in the mirror and figure out what the heck happened. Zach, over the last couple days, whether it was down in Jacksonville at TIA Bank Stadium or over Zoom yesterday, what did you hear from players and coaches? I'm curious on what what kind of the, the main narrative you took away from those media sessions were. Stunned. I looked at Frank Reich in that press room in Jacksonville, and I had never seen him like that. Now he was measured and he was forthcoming and and he was Frank Reich but he was also sitting there with his head down absolutely shell-shocked now I've seen some things in this in this eight years right I was there the night that Andrew Luck retired and, and there for some gutting losses over the years last second losses all that nothing that I've seen from Frank Wright was what I saw Sunday from him and and the players I think as well Darius Leonard was 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 shocked as well and that's a guy that's usually very feisty in the post-game media sessions, whether win or loss. These guys couldn't believe what happened. They didn't see this coming. They felt like they were ready to go. And, and they didn't just lose this game. They were just beat to a pulp. And that's the thing that just doesn't add up. When I looked at – I've read this quote over and over and over, Zach. Last week when we had media, availabil- media availability ahead of the Jacksonville game, one of the things I asked Darius Leonard, I actually think this is maybe the first question that he he had on the day. I asked him, coming off of the game against Las Vegas, how much do you deliver the message? How much do you reiterate the message of we have another opportunity to get into the playoffs? We didn't rally from 0-3, 1-4 to get back to above 500 to beat teams like Buffalo and Arizona and New England for it to end now, how much do you press upon that message? And this, I'm going to read this verbatim. 
I tell them all the time, don't get satisfied with what you did. We haven't done anything. We don't have a playoff spot. For the four years we've been here, we haven't been past round two. So I just don't want guys to fall into the trap of we were one and four, everyone talked us down. Then once we go on that run, everybody started praising us. Now here's what got me. I feel like people felt they were accomplished and we did something. I am very curious about that quote. How much do you feel like that there was a complacency in this locker room and that started with the core leadership of the guys? It's impossible not to think that there was. It's impossible not to think that the way they played the last two weeks, they played like they had the spot secured, like they were just going to fall into a playoff spot. And I will counter that with another quote we heard from Frank Reich, and I agree with him on this, whether whether you want to make excuses or not, he said, look, when you come back from 0-3 and 1-4, and and it takes a lot of gas just to get back mm-hmm. to where they were. And the fact that they were at 9-6 and six after the Arizona win on Christmas Day and even just one win in their final two, it took a lot to get back there. And I think they were running on fumes, especially in the manner in which they won that Arizona game. I think they were down eight starters at one point. I've lost track. It's been such a wild month. But the reality is they need to stop doing this. They need to stop messing around in the beginning of the season and starting 0-2 and 0-3 and 1-5 and 1-4, and 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 which they've done every year under Frank Reich. They've always started in a hole, with the rare exception of last year. But for the most part, they've always started in a hole, which gives Tennessee a big leg up in the division, which makes things very difficult for the Colts in October and November and December. And I think when they got past those humps, they beat the Patriots, you know, they they beat the Bills. They battered the Bills in, in December, and then they beat Arizona on Christmas Day. I think the feeling around the team was that they made it, that they made the New England Patriots. They, they made the playoffs. And whether Darius said that or not, and whether the measures was registered or not with those guys, it's human nature. And they fought that, and they lost, and they played like it the last two weeks, and that's what cost them. Zach, in your honest opinion, going back to something that Frank said on Monday when he was asked, and I believe it was – by you the question about four different quarterbacks in four seasons and Frank noted that the last two you've had no OTAs because of the pandemic and the protocols and all of these things and then Carson misses the entirety of camp and the entirety of the preseason that is not an excuse that I'm saying but in your unbiased opinion looking from the perspective that you do how much did that impact the slow start, and some of what we saw in Carson's inability to spark this offense when it needed it most. Yeah, I think both things can be true. And and that's what fans probably don't want to hear because they want it to be one side or the other. They want it to be black or white. It's not. And I've said all along, and I believe this, Carson missed a lot in the offseason when he didn't get OTAs and he didn't get a training camp and he didn't get a preseason. And that matters. Ask any quarterback in the league with maybe the rare exception of Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers because they've been playing so long. They, they need those reps, especially for a new quarterback in a new system with new receivers. He did not get that. T.Y. Hilton was hurt in camp. Carson was hurt in camp. Quentin Nelson, Ryan Kelly, Braden Smith, that matters a lot for these guys, right? So that matters, and I said all season, and I do believe it, Carson Wentz will be better in year two if he has a full training camp and a full offseason. And Frank is not wrong to say he wants those OTAs. And this is something that Frank's been thinking about for a while. And I can promise you the general manager agrees with them. They were really angry that they did not get those OTAs and that extra work this offseason. They don't necessarily need the 11-on-11, 11 11, 
but they need that time with the offense to gel, especially with a new quarterback. All that being said, there's no excuse for the quarterback to shrink the way he did in week 17. You practiced the whole week. You played the whole season. That's your moment, and he didn't meet it, and that's the reality. So when you're the $25 million quarterback, you need to live up to that. And you're going to get more blame when things go poorly and more praise when things go well. But the bottom line is he needed to play better in that moment. He shrunk. And as far as I'm concerned, that's the worst parting shot that Carson Wentz could have left Colts fans and maybe his bosses as we head into the offseason. Because until this point, he had been very solid. He had kept the interceptions down. He had played pretty well. But in Sunday, the very glaring reality that the passing game had diminished and disappeared over the last month was never more obvious. And it was ugly. And that's the last scene we saw from Carson Wentz this season. It's a really, really bad one to end on. It's a bad one to end on for this season, and you mentioned Carson Wentz year two. Should Carson Wentz get a year two, in your opinion? Well, that's a very complicated question with a lot of different um, tentacles that we will dig into on our side, the athletic, in the coming days and weeks. The reality is there's not a lot of options out there. You know, barring a miracle, Russell Wilson or Aaron Rodgers trade, which, hey, I'm all for. Um it's going to be difficult to find something better out there. And I'm not naive to how poorly he played on Sunday and and how poorly he played down the stretch with maybe the rare exception of the Arizona game. But the reality is, find me a better alternative and I'll listen. I'm just not sure there's going to be one out there. It's not an issue with money. I really don't think the money is going to be a huge problem with the Colts. Um, We can get into that. But the reality is, um, they're going to have to dig into this very, very closely over the next couple of weeks. They're going to have to look at their options. They're going to have to watch all the tape. They're going to have to think about how they can help Carson Wentz if he does come back. And that's something that's very true as well. The receiver depth was thin. The tight end depth disappeared late in the season. And honestly, the teams figured out how to stop the Colts. If you stop Jonathan Taylor, you stop the Colts. That was a problem, and that cost them big time too. When you think about the the rest of this team, Zach, and, and the nucleus that's here, I, I think a lot of what I've heard, and I was listening to your colleague Robert Mays talk about it with Nate Tyson, the athletic football show, this week, and, and they kind of said this doesn't totally change our opinion of the Colts, that the, it, it, next year, 2022, was always kind of the, the year where they thought the Colts could take a leap. But to have the season end the way it did – does that change how you feel about this team in the long term? Does one game, really two games, I guess, affect your big-picture view of where this team is going? That's a good point, and, and I agree with them. I had said that all along. I said, let me get a year with Carson and see how he plays, and then I really think they can take a big step the next year because, like you mentioned, JJ, they have so many pieces in place, and I don't care how angry the fans are right now. They have to agree with that. You've got Darius Leonard and Kenny Moore and DeForest Buckner on defense and some other pieces. And you've got maybe the best young running back in football and Jonathan Taylor and Michael Pittman had a thousand yard season. There are pieces here to like the offensive line, Jacksonville notwithstanding. However, the question was always going to be, is Carson the guy? Could he step up? Could he win you a game? And he did in Arizona. And then he shrunk so stunningly the last two weeks that everything is muddied right now in terms of their future. And you're going to go into 2022. If you do with Carson Wentz as your starter, that's the only question. That's the only question that matters next season is, can he 
can he step up? Can he rebound from this disaster? And can he play better? And the shame of it is they're not going to get an answer for eight, nine months, right? I mean, we're sitting here on January 11th, and we're not going to get that answer. Nothing matters. Nothing they say in the preseason, nothing they do in those preseason games, nothing they do in training camp, none of that matters. The only thing that's going to matter is when the games get tight and they start to count how the quarterback responds. And and that's the reality, because if this could have season – it could have finished so many different ways with a lot of hope, with a lot of ambition, with a lot of positivity. It did the opposite, and now there's just questions, and there's nothing they can do about it for the next six, seven, eight, nine months. That's Zach Kiefer. Follow him on Twitter, at Z Kiefer. He's a great follow. Uh, we heard some things after the game. The owner, Jim Ursay, spoke with Mike Chappell about some things. There's going to be changes, et cetera. Uh, you, you, know, you guys and your colleagues wrote about a late-night meeting after the Jacksonville game at the Colts Complex. You, you've, you've known Jim Ursay for a few years now. And, and you know what? He normally doesn't meet that quick. Was the the narrative that was written about like that? Do you want to try and dissect that late night meeting with Frank Reich that he spoke of in his press conference that that Ursay was demanding and wanting answers? I would too if I was Jim Ursay. And I think the first question, and part of my French was, "What the hell just happened?" And I think that's the question on the minds of every fan of this team and a lot of the players, to be honest, because they don't know, they don't have an answer. But I think it's, it's twofold, and, and, and I think, honestly, uh, one of the questions that was out there, now it wasn't a popular one, was are these guys going to come back? Is Frank Reich and, and Chris Bauer going to come back? I think it's pretty clear that, that Ursay is behind these guys, and I think he wanted to meet with them Sunday night because this couldn't wait until Monday. I think he told them, and I think he made it very clear, this is not okay, right? This is not okay, and I watched Jim Ursay walk from the golf cart to the locker room on Sunday after the game and then walk back. And I don't think I've ever seen him angrier. I mean, he just had a stone face of, of, of disbelief and also fury. I mean, he was just very upset. So, you know, I always think of Jim Mercer as the biggest Colts fan there ever was. I, I imagine he was very angry as this game melted away from his team on Sunday afternoon. And I think it was very clear that this is not a situation where he could wait until Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday to meet with his top lieutenants. He wanted Chris Ballard and Frank Reich to come back into the office late Sunday night, and I think he made it very clear that this is not okay. This is not okay to meet to miss the playoffs with seven Pro Bowlers. It's not okay to go down to Jacksonville and lose by 15 to a team that won three games. It's not okay to get embarrassed at the line of scrimmage. Everything the Colts are supposed to be about, they were not about on Sunday. I think that's the most glaring indictment of where they were and how they finished. And and I think he, he charged Chris Ballard and Frank Reich with finding the answers. We'll see what the change looks like, but there's no doubt that this team can go into next season looking exactly like it does right now. There are things that need to be addressed. Whether it's the quarterback or not, that remains to be seen. But I do think wide receiver, tight end, pass rush, I could go on and on. These things need to be fixed because this team was hanging by a thread on the last game of the season. They didn't play well, and they got whooped. And and, and, and Jim Mercer wanted answers from Frank Reich and Chris Ballard. Zach, you mentioned those needs, and you mentioned that there is a great core group of talent here that you have, but there are those needs that you have. In terms of addressing those, what's your order of priority in those, and what are the ones that are feasible to explore via free agency or trade? What are the ones that are going to have to be addressed when we talk about the NFL draft at the end of April? 
Yeah, life's not easy when you don't have a first-round pick. And and the, obviously the top of the list is the quarterback discussion. Now, I'm not saying there's going to be a change at the quarterback spot. It's very it's very complicated, but my colleague Stephen Holder did lay out the options and the situation very well on our site this morning in terms of what the money looks like, what the outside options look like, and what if he stays, what would need to change. Moving past the quarterback position, I think it's very obvious that the Colts might lose two of the two of the great Colts of the last decade. Mm-hmm. I think it's I think it's pretty clear that T.Y. Hilton and Jack Doyle are, are leaning towards retirement. We'll see what they decide to do. They're going to talk to each other. But, you know, just my gut feeling tells me that 13 and 84 are not back. You know, those are maybe not the, the best players on the team, but you, you will have to replace their presence somehow. Those guys are leaders, and they're for real, and they make your football team better. You need to add some depth at wide receiver. There's no doubt about that. It's Michael Pittman, and then it's a bunch of – what do you got? You know, they didn't even have another receiver climb above 400 yards. You know, that's that's pathetic, really, in this passing era of NFL football. Only one other team in the league didn't have two 400-yard receivers. Now, Pittman did climb above of, of, above 1,000, but with a running back like Jonathan Taylor, with defenses gunning for the run, Wedge should have had 4,000 yards this year easy. And the fact that they didn't is also a repl- – you know, is also at fault of Frank Reich. So I look for some wide receiver depth. They need a playmaker at tight end. They haven't had one since Eric Ebron in 2018. For all of Ebron's problems, the dude scored 14 touchdowns. They need pass rushing help. And and honestly, I think Sunday more than anything was an indictment of Chris Ballard's prudence and free agency. He's been right more often than he's been wrong, but you needed some help at pass rusher and you needed some help at wide receiver. And I think, in my opinion, it's time to open up the checkbook and go spend some money on some difference makers because that was a difference late in the season. You just didn't have enough depth. And without a first-round pick, you're not going to be able to add a dynamic playmaker early in the draft. You've got to start doing something to help your quarterback. Well, you know, we're talking about what might be different roster-wise next year, but the guys picking the roster and the guys coaching the roster could be different too. You know, there's some reports out there. Um, you know, we already knew, Zach, that Matt Eberflus is going to interview for the Jacksonville Jaguars job. There are reports out there that he will interview for the Chicago Bears head coaching job, as well as Morocco Brown and Ed Dodds, two guys who are top lieutenants of Chris Ballard here in Indy. What, what's your understanding of some of the the changes that could be happening in the front office and the coaching staff based on some of those guys getting essentially promotions elsewhere around the league? Yeah, I think Ed Dodds would be an enormous loss. He's had some opportunities before. He's turned them down. I, I know that Ed Dodds is going to be very selective in the job he picks based on ownership, based on the team, based on the city. He told me one time that you only get one of these opportunities mm-hmm. as a GM, and he's, he's very content with that, and I think he's going to pick his spots. We'll see. But I can tell you Ed Dodds is going to interview well. Morocco Brown's one of the rising stars in that world, and he's going to get a job eventually, whether it's this year or next year. He's going to get a job. This team, the seven pro bowlers, it's not just Chris Ballard. It's really not just Chris Ballard. They have a lot of talent on the staff. And I wouldn't be stunned if Kevin Rogers got a call this year, next year, the year after, the director of pro personnel. I mean, these guys have found some terrific, talented players and built a very good roster, which makes the fact that they're not playing next week all the more upsetting to Colts fans. But the reality is I think you need to take a long look and not just the scouting staff, but the coaching staff. They had some really good breakout players this year that were a reflection I think Scotty Montgomery, the running backs coach, did a tremendous job with Jonathan Taylor. Chris Strasser had a really good year as the O-line coach, but the last couple of weeks leave a lot to be desired. So those are going to be things they're going to dig into. They're going to have to really ask some questions. 
I don't know if Matt Eberflus gets a job because I would think that these teams lean offense with their head coach in mind, young quarterback in Jacksonville, young quarterback in Chicago. But Matt Eberflus is one of the most respected defensive coaches in the league, and, and he's a quality dude as well. So he would make any organization he goes to better. Um, but this is, this, is, this is something that happens every year with this team. They have good coaches, they have good scouts, and they're going to get looks at from other organizations. Zach, since we're talking about, you know, those other personalities across the organization getting attention, one of the fun things of Hard Knocks, you know, really being able to chronicle this season was seeing the dynamic in so many of these meeting rooms. And I mean, I thought Scotty Montgomery was one of those, you know, kind of breakout stars of the series that you talk about when you got to see how dynamic he was. Brian Baker, I thought to me, was probably the most entertaining. Is there someone who you saw, who you watched that series and you thought... This is my breakout guy from this series who you thought really was the most entertaining, may have surprised you, that kind of brought out some personality and made things really fun to observe from your perspective on this team. Well, to start, I want to give a shout-out to John Park, the, the analyst. <laughs> yeah! One of the episodes. The rap. Maybe the, maybe the best rap I've ever heard from a football coach. I had no idea he had that in him. It blew me away. That was the most stunning moment in a, in a series that's been terrific. I think it's been a great peak behind the scenes of who these guys are and and not just as football players but as human beings the Colts have a lot of good ones and I think this show has really encapsulated that I'm going Brian Baker though because we've had a couple conversations with him we don't get to talk to the position coaches quite as often as the coordinators and the head coach but Brian Baker can't lie and he can't be anything but real he's absolutely tremendous he says what he thinks he calls out his players when they play well he calls them out when they play poorly and as a reporter, I just want I just want to know what's going on. I just want to know the real, unvarnished truth. And he's real, and he's great, and I think he did a great job with that defensive line this year. You could tell how much better Quiddy Pay got over the course of the season. Deo came on late. Buckner is going to be an all-pro again. Um, he's as real as it gets, and, and he's a credit to any coaching staff that he's on. Can I give my, my breakout star? Because it's Taylor Stallworth. He maybe had Stally. he maybe had a minute total of screen time, but every single time Stolly was on the screen, it was gold. Yeah, he it was enjoys great. life. It was yeah. great. I love that guy. <laughs> love it, Gorman. You have we one? could all we could all stand to be more like Taylor Stallworth. Absolutely, uh, that is a great point. Right there. Um, my favorite from the uh, Hard Knocks episodes is, has been spotting Aaron Burrill, who slides Eevee! over into the cameras <laughs> to get into the shot. And every time I see him in the break room here when he's getting his morning coffee, I, I say the same thing: get out of the. <laughs> Shot. It's not about you. I mean, we saw Lara Overton the other night. She ate up about ten minutes of it. So I'll say the same hey, thing to you, you know Overton. In her, in her defense, she didn't know. <laughs> she was awesome. That was going to be used on a hard knock. That was pretty good communication, yeah, non-verbal, right? It was great. <laughs> Thank you. One of my favorite episodes was uh, was definitely that one because I work with Lara so closely <laughs> and just watching her and Frank go back and forth and her giving signs. That was awesome. So, okay, listen. Here's what we got with Kiefer. He's got great hair. He's a stinking professor at. IU. He writes for The Athletic inside and out of this organization. Covers the NFL. Pretty good putter. I've seen him myself up close and personal. So we're going to be reading. We're going to be following you. There's a lot of things that are going to be happening with this roster that won't look the same next year. Zach, I so appreciate the time and just wanted to say appreciate the coverage that you did this year. Uh, The fair, the balanced and when you ripped us, hey, it was uh, you know, it was worthy of it. So I appreciate what you do, sir. Thanks for having me, guys. That was a lot of fun. That was great. Zach Kiefer from The Athletic. Follow him on Twitter, at Z Kiefer. Thanks again, pal. 
Listen, it's uh, it's 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 done, but we're you know we're on the new greener pastures, I guess. Um, I don't know what it, exactly that means, but JJ and Lara and I are gonna find a way to create, or as I like to say, guys, find the good in situations. Mm-hmm. Find the good in situations. Obviously, severely disappointed at this year. No playoffs. We're gonna be watching from the couch, but. Future's always bright here. We got people that are in leadership positions that people are bagging right now, but not so quick. Not so quick. You know, I was uh, talking with the scout the other day, the old five-play uh, discussion we have. If five plays were different, the record would be different. You know what I mean? If, if five simple plays over the course of 17 games. But that's uh, that's searching for excuses, and we're not here to do that. So, guys, I enjoyed what we have this year. Uh, we got to get into off-season mode, and I appreciate all the hard work that you two do, Larry and uh, J.J. Stankovitz. And, and don't forget, the more coverage you want, you go to Colts.com. You'll see both of them there. You go to the Colts app. You'll read and hear and see both of them there, too, as well. So both of you, thank you. Thank you, Jeffrey Gorman. Thanks. It is always a delight getting to work with you, getting to sit here, do the podcast, work on game days with you. This is my first season doing it, and, man, I had a blast. Yeah, this is, you, this is, this is fun, well, guys. Well, you slid in just perfectly yeah. into Thank this you. situation, it, man. <laughs> this was, do, doing this pod with you two is the highlight of my week. Awesome, man. That's great. And, and Don't that's tell great. Bill Brooks that. We enjoy it. Yeah, and you get a nice well, one. Hey, give, me, give some pub on the Colts Radio Network, will you please? Uh, uh, the... the just give me what that, you got, bro, because you are good. Bill Brooks, I want it to continue if yeah. you guys oh, yeah, can find yeah, a way. Yeah. The, um, instant, the reaction. instant reaction pod that Bill and I did. Yep. Yeah, no, that that was always really fun. I learned a lot from Bill this season. Um, I, I'm saying that's the highlight of my week because sometimes when I would talk <laughs> to Bill after those you. games, it wouldn't be the most fun right, pod because okay. we'd be talking about the loss to the Raiders or the Jaguars or the Bucks in the immediate, after, in the immediate aftermath of it. Not always the most fun, but this is always fun. What do you got? Over to what do you have? So I'm going in the offseason. You're always out and about. We are beginning the uh, kind of the the early workings of Emmy winning with the next pick. We have started to shoot. We have started lining things up. You guys just win trophies over there, don't you? I mean, that's what we've we've started doing. We immediately start planning. We and we have been planning. We've been meeting for this, whether there was a playoff run or not. We were already in production mode for starting that series. So we'll be able to look forward to that. There will be certainly a lot to cover in this off season, preparing for the draft and everything that unfolds over the course of the next few months. So we're planning on, you know, going down to the Senior Bowl in Mobile, getting back down there, seeing our scouts do what they do so well, learning about you know their tactics and what they're doing and how they're navigating things uh, currently in this offseason. So we'll have all that coverage coming to you here soon. But later this week, we'll probably hear from Chris Ballard. So that's something that JJ and Al, of course, will be working mm-hmm. on as well. All of our content team getting you everything from that. So, the and Emmy. Uh, the and, Emmy award-winning content yeah. team. Hats off to Dave Knickerbocker. Hats off to the radio department. Casey Vallier, of course, Matt Taylor. Mike Stevens, I want to give a shout-out. Derek Wolf. there's so many. But this whole year and the content that's been, that's been provided on social media, up on uh, the big screen during game days, etc. Anything on Colts.com in the app. Uh, it's a hell of a department. It's the best in the NFL and I'm tipping my hat to everybody, guys. Absolutely. We appreciate you. Thank every, you so much. Every single piece of content that comes out from the Colts is created by us here in Indianapolis on 56th Street. And man, it's impressive. Yes. The, work that, the work that everyone does, graphic designers, uh, you know, our guy Zach Baker doing post-production Great stuff. stuff. It looks awesome. Like, it is, it is incredible if it's on social media, if it's on the stadium scoreboard, if it's on the website, if it's on TV. 
it's a really incredible group that we get to work with here every day. We appreciate you listeners. We're going to be around 365 days a year. That's the beauty of the internet. And uh, these two beautiful people are going to be joining me week in and week out on different projects, this one especially. But uh, just can't thank you enough for listening. And thank you for, more importantly, listening to our therapy session today. Because basically, <laughs> Lara and JJ and I and a little bit of Zach Kiefer were laying down on the couch and saying, hey, we just want some answers and here's what's going on. So we appreciate you guys putting up with this like this in the not so great uh, you know environment that we have here after a disappointing Colts playoff loss but I promise you this again leaders are in place we're going to find a way and this team will be back and we're going to bring you coverage all throughout the year again Colts.com download the Colts app and uh, read JJ watch Lara do everything you have and a big tip of the hat again to our content department for JJ Stankovitz for Lara Overton I am Jeffrey Gorman and a big thanks again to our Colts official podcast uh, presented by WinBet Proud Sports partner of the Indianapolis Colts. Betting is a team sport. Bet together at WinBet. Hey, this is a good time of year because we get to talk about other teams in the playoffs, which will be fun because we'll be doing that in the weeks to come while we're watching these playoffs without our Colts in it. But still, it gives us a chance to either praise or tee off on one of our rivals out there in the NFL. So folks, we will talk to you very soon right here on the Colts official podcast.